You're listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Here's the deal. If you make disciples by sitting around and talking, you shouldn't be surprised when your disciples sit around and talk and talk and talk. This is the podcast for those weary of just talking and ready to start activating in the mission Jesus gave us to change the world. The Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast, where disciples and disciple makers gather to grow and go together. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Hey, dear friends. Great to have you with us today. You disciple-making fanatic. Being, we just welcome you to the podcast. Remember, the place for a man, for a woman complete in all their powers is in the fight. And right now, today, somewhere in the world, making disciples of the nations. So stay tuned, stay encouraged. We have a rendezvous with destiny. All right. Good program today. I can tell you that. That's my prediction, but it's not only my prediction, it's my guarantee. And the reason for that is We've got a good friend here with me today that has just written an outstanding book. Uh, Dr. Andy Miller is the dean, the academic dean at Wesley Biblical Seminary, and in fact has the office next to mine. So this is kind of easy. We probably ought to be in the same office for this, Andy. Yeah, sure. What's going on? <laughs> anyway, the fact of the matter is he's written a book called Contender, Going Deeper in the Book of Jude, which... Uh, is interesting uh, because Jude is a fascinating, but now, and my understanding here is one of the things, Andy, is uh, somebody noticed somewhere along the line in, in some of your research that whenever there tends to be revival or renewal in American Christianity, or at least maybe in, in Christendom itself, this book of Jude keeps rising to the fore. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things I found. William Barclay, who's one of the most famous commentators from the 20th century, he wrote this little book, uh, little books on every book of the Bible, and they're devotional commentaries, not necessarily for like an academic crowd, so to speak. But in there, when I was reading his comments on Jude, he says that every time periods of revival come, the book of Jude is often, he says, rediscovered. The hmm. book of Jude, and that was intriguing to me. Now, this was before there was any outpouring in Wilmore, Kentucky, or anything like that. But to me, it's interesting. And I've seen over the last two years, as I've been working on this project, the book of Jude seems to keep coming up. And that is interesting. Well, so you, you have any inkling as to why that might be the case? Oh, I, yeah, I think so. And my experience with the book of Jude was that I would generally read it when I'd be reading through the Bible a year. That's my kind of typical plan in the mornings. I read the Bible uh, directly and I try to get through it some, in some like, you know, somewhere around a year. I'm not too legalistic about it. But generally, even when I read the book of Jude, it just takes a couple of minutes. It's only 25 verses. Some people is like in their Bible. It's just one page. So it depends on how, your translation, the size of the fonts. And so when I've read it, I've been like pretty well, like, okay, well, that, that was a little weird. Honestly, that's been my action, reaction because there's some strange verses in here. Maybe we'll talk about some of them. I know the ending. It's a nice benediction. If you're called upon to give a benediction in the last second, you go to Jude 25, 24 and 25. This is a great place to go. But I think what is going on in this book speaks to the challenges of our time within the life of the church. Jude, as opposed to, say, some other books of the New Testament, like First Peter, Jude is about internal 
threats to the church, whereas uh, like First Peter is external threats. And it's talking about a group of people who have snuck in. And it even says that secretly slipped in. That's the language that Jude uses at the very beginning of this letter, that there are some people who are corrupting the church and who are leading it to the possibility of apostasy. Wow. But that, that, that is relevant, but I'm going to leave it to you right now to tell us why that's right. So like, for oh, yeah, yeah. if somebody today has snuck into the church and is messing things up pretty profoundly uh, and you're going to finger them right now, who would they be? Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I think it might sound like just a hot button topic, but the, the sexual revolution and sexual ethics in our time certainly are coming to the forefront. And I don't say that as that being the main issue. That's the presenting issue of our time that is connected to a deeper issue. And that's biblical revelation. Of course, it's not even just the, the concerns of sexuality, which we could just list those, you know, same-sex behavior, same-sex marriage, transgenderism, all of these things. Uh, abortion, that's something that you've talked a lot about. I mean, this is a part of the sexual revolution. It's denying and rejecting God's clear revelation. So if God has revealed himself clearly in history, and he's spoken clearly, we need to listen to what he says. And if that's the case, this is not just an issue of sexual ethics. This is an issue of rather or not God has revealed himself. Is there truth? And is that truth connected to what God has said? Can we just make up our own truth? Can we make up our own gender? Can we decide that, can, could I decide that I am a cheetah instead of a man? You know, like what, what is real in the world? And these threats, what's happening for Jude, when I got behind some of these metaphors and allusions to intertestamental literature, I saw it. That's those are the exact type of things that Jude's pointing out. Jude's dealing with issues of human sexuality, of people who, and he he addresses issues that are connected to same-sex behavior. So that's in part why I think this is relevant. I don't mean to tackle and hit those topics too hard because I want, and I know you're like this too. We want to be loving and to embrace people, to allow them to come to a place where they can actually hear the gospel. I have friends. And who are working through and who have transitioned, I want to talk to them in a way that will lead them back to the truth. At the same time, the way that I show love in those situations is by speaking the truth. And so I, I hope people don't hear me as hammering down on these issues, but I think it's dealing with the ultimate issues of our time is rather not God has spoken clearly. The book's contender going deeper in the book of Jude. Andy Miller's here with us today. Let me let me throw out another one. I, I, I just want to test this with you, see if this might be a possibility of one of those issues where the enemy has snuck in. And that is, it's not so much snuck in anymore, it's dominating worldwide, and that is the prosperity gospel. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and this is a part of the, uh, what Jude's addressing as well. It seems like we're able to see in this passage that these people who Jude is confronting, not only are they calling on people to do whatever they want, the kind of the word, the old fashioned word that the King James uses is licentiousness. Mm -hmm. They're, they, they use God's grace as a license to sin. Okay, so we have all these things that are pretty clear with them, but at the same time, it looks like they are cozying up to people who are probably more wealthy in the church. Like they are trying to use various positions for their advantage. And like, notice what I said there, for their advantage. 
Like why, why are they doing this? Why are they sneaking into the church? Because they're using it so that they can profit. And so I think that's part of the concern that we see coming up on a regular basis. And the prosperity gospel certainly is that as well. Like, well, you can, you can do this. Yeah, yeah, go right down, let money, sex, and power or related issues. And there you have it. Well, listen, let's get back to the book. Contender, yeah, yeah. going deeper in the book of Jude. Uh, do you have any idea how many words are in your book? Contender. <laughs> I I know that I think the pages are, I think we have uh, 115 pages. I don't know. So I have no idea how many words. I would think, 30, I think like 30. 000. Okay. Let's uh, 30. Okay. 30,000 words that Andy Miller writes about 25 <laughs> verses in the book of Jude. Now, I don't want to say that you're, uh, you're hitting a, uh, what, what do we call it? You're, you're hitting a thumbtack with a sledgehammer here, but I mean, 30,000 words for 25 verses, but they're, they're packed full of verses. And I know they need some explanation, but why in the world write a substantial book on such a short, short, you nope. know, 25 <laughs> words? Yeah, it's so easy to miss it. Like, I imagine if people are open up their Bibles, like it's so easy to kind of like flip by it because it's just one page. But, you know, it's it's because of the same issues that we've had. Now, look, I, I take I'm in, I come in a great tradition of people like your son and who's <laughs> written, you know, like uh, many people, biblical scholars will write multi volumes like, uh, you know, I just opened up a, a commentary. There's like 1500 pages on Romans, right? So I, I feel like 100 pages on 25 verses, maybe uh, I'm in line. And it, it's really, it's it's trying to take some of these concepts, Matt, and break them down because it's it's hard to understand what, what some of these allusions that are used. And 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 Jude assumes an audience and he know he knows he has an audience in mind. So he's speaking to that group. Well, he knows what they know. Like you and I, as preachers, we might make a joke about, our sports team or something and our congregations will get that. But uh, if you show that same sermon illustration to somebody else in another country, they might not get it. So maybe that's what I'm trying to do is trying well, to. So I, all I got to say is I want to see how long your book on Jeremiah is going to be. That's <laughs> all right. Listen, this, I, I love, of course, a lot of wonderful words, phrases, ideas, concepts in this book. But one of the things you say over and over again, you can contend or you can coast, but you can't do both. So what's yeah. going on here? Contender coast, those seem to be alternatives you're setting before us. And I don't think anybody wants to coast, but a lot of people coast and not sometimes even know it. So contender coast, what are we talking about? Yeah, so it comes from this kind of key verse that sets up the whole book where Jude calls upon these believers to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And I was just thinking of the, the kind of the situation that Jude's dealing with. People are being tempted to fall away because somebody has slipped, secretly slipped in. Those are, That's the language he uses in verse four that they've secretly slipped into this congregation, if that's the case, then he's trying to help them not coast in their faith. They might just think, oh, we can make it. God's grace is so good. It doesn't, and this is connected, Matt, to some of your work and Tom McCall and Caleb Friedman's work on, on works. Like the way that we respond to faith and the God's gracious gift of salvation is to live that out. We can't just coast in the faith. You know what it's like when you if you press the coast button on your car as you are cruising, cruise control, um, it, the car just slowly slows down, like one mile per hour here. And it, you, you eventually get to a place where you'd slow down and stop. Or if you stop pedaling your bike, eventually you're going to fall. And, and my suggestion is that you can either contend for your faith, that you can get in and fight, that you can get in and, and go against these challenges that are coming to 
the, the individual believer from the culture, from within the life of the church that are challenging it, or you can coast, you can contend or you coast. But the, the point is you can't do both. You've got yeah, to do it, it together. Yeah, I think it was Bonhoeffer that said not to act is to act. Mm. And the same thing would be true here. Not to say something. Well, you're saying something when you don't say something. That's right. And oh. I think there's a lot of issues today, though, that well, that's happening uh, with the church, inside the church, around the church is we're not taking action. We're not saying what needs to be said. But by doing that, we are saying something pretty substantial and we're acting pretty substantially. You know, yesterday, you and I had a conversation with Dr. Robert Gagnon, and we were talking about the biblical doctrine of inerrancy. And it was this interesting moment. And, and he was saying, look, there are some people who believe in inerrancy, but they'll never speak out on sexual ethics. He's like, who's who's really the inerrantist, right? And like, what this means is like putting this into practice to be able to articulate the truths that are found in scripture. Like it, there are a lot of people who claim the authority of scripture, but actually don't live it or speak it. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't come in an insensitive way, but nevertheless, we have to be people who stand up and contend. Yeah, you can be strong without being a jerk. Right. But, you know, even sometimes at that, I mean, you know, you got kids, I got kids. Sometimes you just got to come across like a jerk to say what needs to be said. I, I think you roll all that up and say, we just need the wisdom of God to know what kind of attitude do we enter into these debates and to these stances we have to take if we're going to contend for the church. Yes, absolutely. So listen, a lot of interesting things in Jude, only 25 verses, but I mean, like verse eight, all right, we're talking okay. about abusing, I think the, 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 the verbiage here is heaping abuse on celestial beings. Now, I'll just tell you straight up, I have no clue what that <laughs> might mean. Yeah, I've um I struggle with that too and that's why when I read this book in the past I say, well that's a little weird, I'm done with it, you know. I don't really know what to think of that. Like that's not and you remember too like uh, one thing keep in mind is that Jude, most scholars believe, is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, sometimes he's called Judas in other passages, and you can imagine why he wouldn't be, want to be called Judas, right? Because there's another Judas that wasn't so well-known. But it seems likely that he came to faith after he saw Jesus' resurrection. The same is true for his brother James, who's also called the brother of the Lord. But here's what they had in mind, I think, with that passage. Um, because it's not consistent with what we might read. We haven't heard these type of things in Paul or in the in Peter's letters either. So it might help us to understand that throughout the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, the basic belief in that time amongst people who believed in God was that angels delivered God's word to people. God's word to Moses, for instance. You can see this in, uh, in Acts 8, seven and eight as uh, sorry act seven where stephen's being stoned and he says this that they uh abuse that the angels were the ones to deliver this word okay so the best way i can think of this and, th and richard bauckham who's a great new testament scholar was the one who helped me see this is that if angels are the ones who deliver the message that if you actually uh, go against that message. If you reject God's divine revelation, that not only are you abusing that revelation, you're abusing the deliverer. I kind of I think like this. Like let's say that um, there's a pizza is delivered to your house, 
And all of a sudden, like the, the pizza delivery person comes to the door and you're in whatever reason, you would never do this. Of course, you reject that pizza person. You kick them out and you throw the pizza out. You throw it all over your front yard. Get off my lawn. What You would be abusing the delivery person, but you would also be insulting God's word. So in light of their licentiousness, a light of them rejecting God's revelation, it's as if their actions, uh, it says in verse eight, pollute their own body and reject authority and then heap abuse on the deliverers or the messengers or, or celestial beings. So in, in, do this on strength of their dreams. They base this in their own internal thinking, their own experience. So I think that those things go together. And those are the type of things I, this is why I wrote 115 pages on Jude uh, is because I'm trying down some of these ideas so we can understand them. Yeah, sure. That's a great book. It is an outstanding uh, book. And, you know, it's a, I'd say it's an easy read. I wouldn't say that because it's a, well, you facilitate the listener. You facilitate the reader. That's good. You draw them in. A lot of il good illustrations. And uh, I think you're going to appreciate this, friends. It's The book's called Contender, Going Deeper in the Book of Jude. Probably the best place to go get it is Amazon.com. Just punch up Andy Miller's name or that name Contender. Mm -hmm. It'll lead you right to it. Listen, uh, is there a – I know sometimes you think, well, Contender, that's a problem with, you know, these 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 – men today in Christianity, they just want to fight. They want to fight. Is there a positive message about any of this? I mean, is there something that says, you know, do this and there's human flourishing? Yeah. You know, I, I think Jude centers in on the problem, certainly, but he also comes back and he challenges people to continue to build up their faith. But, you know, one of the messages even behind this, by calling people to not fall, essentially to not coast in their faith, by putting that so much to the outset, there is an implicit assumption there. And it's this, you don't have to fall. Like you don't have to fall. Like uh, I, I believe in kind of like the classical Christian doctrine of hell, like that there is eternal separation from God. And you know that's a pretty tough doctrine. But one of the beautiful things is that the, the Christian message is you don't have to go to hell. <laughs> like you don't have to spend. And I think in part, that's what Jude's saying is you don't have to fall. I mean, this is, this is a part, our, some people, Christians will just say, and I know you addressed this in your recent book on works. Are Christians, you know, no different from people just forgiven, you know, is no, like we, we can actually live a triumphant, life by the power of the spirit where his sanctifying grace is at work in us in such a way where there's never a time where we have to sin there's never a time where you have to give it and i think that's part of the positive message that he says in verse 21 to keep yourself in the faith to build yourself up in the faith and of course he has this wonderful image that we need to be merciful merciful to those who doubt so there's a lot of hope i think in jude as well well, listen, you are the academic dean at Wesley Biblical Seminary. So one of the sponsors for this program is Wesley Biblical Seminary. I'm just going to, I'm going to, here's a, here's a, here's a softball for you. And I'm going to let you do the commercial today. And that is why in the world is Wesley Biblical Seminary flourishing right now? Boy, are we ever. 
oh man, this is a great moment in the life of this institution. And I'm just so thankful that I get to be here. I mean, you've been serving here for over 35 years, 37 years. And, um, and I get to be here at this moment where we have more students than we've ever had. We have just added 250 global Methodist church pastors. I mean, just think of that, 250 global Methodist church pastors are in our classes. Like, and as me as academic dean, I'm trying to help you and other professors be in a position to serve these students well. All of a sudden, people have 50, 60 people in their classes. And how do we manage all this? And how do we separate people out to make sure they're getting this individualized experience? And it's a beautiful moment because I think for years, and I thank you, and I thank people like John Oswalt and Bill Urey and Ron Smith and the people who've been here for, for a long time who held firmly to the things that Jude asked us, is asking us to do, to contend for the faith once for all delivered to saints, that God has spoken clearly in his word, and that we hold at the Wesley Biblical Seminary to the doctrine of inerrancy. We don't think God has made any mistakes in his divine revelation. And if that's the case, man, that's what has prepared us and equipped us for this moment to serve so many people and to talk to them, uh, to teach, not just that the Bible speaks clearly, but also that the sanctified life is a life of works of mercy and works of piety, where we go and we serve the world. These kind of emphases that you, Matt, have been such a part of cultivating are, I think, why we're doing so well and why, like, why we're in a position to serve this evangelical Methodist world um, at this particular moment. So you can go check out the seminary at wbs.edu. And again, if you're a layman, Great program. This is something called the Wesley Institute for Layman. We've got things. Uh, we got a college now, Andy, which is hilarious yeah. to me. Uh, it's just wonderful as yeah. it can be. Then we got MAs, we got MDivs, and there is a Doctor of Ministry. So lots yeah. of lots of ways you can plug in, and we're just really excited about what's going on. Listen, you're out of the Methodist tradition. You're an old yeah. Salvation Army man. Uh, is there anything particular in Jude that really resonates with the Wesleyan tradition? Oh man, yeah. I, I I think all throughout it, like uh, not that we emphasize that people lose their salvation, so to speak, but just the fact that uh, in my tradition we say continuance in a state of salvation depends upon continued obedient faith. And if you want to understand that, go to Matt's book on the theology of good works. But that there is a, a response, like that's one piece. But I think even if you go to that last benediction, there's something really powerful in that, and that that's what people often hear. But here the I'm I'm not gonna say here it's not a Wesleyan slant here the biblical slant that Wesley right. picked up on and WBS picked on in that verse now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy now I could keep going on like that's that's is that real are you that's serious the, that's the guts of well it's the guts of the Bible but it's yeah. the guts of the Wesleyan understanding of Scripture. Uh, those things can actually happen in a life. Yeah, I this this summer I was doing some research at the University of Manchester, and I had the privilege of being able to like see some original manuscripts that Charles Wesley uh, wrote and uh, of his hymns. And so I I found a book, and you know there's six thousand of them, so it's hard to know them all. But I came upon Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. I saw his handwriting, the page he wrote it on. I couldn't believe I was there. It was like Christmas for me. And there I am. And I look at that next line and I thought, Lord, is this true? And he says, fix in us thy humble dwelling. I mean, are you serious that this can actually happen? That his 
he can dwell in us, this humble dwelling, like that, that love can excel in our lives in that way. And so like, I think that that's right in line. And I think, you know, as I was touching that page, I was reminded that it's that message that took those little, those words written on that page all around the world, because we think that by the power of the spirit, the triune God can indwell us in such a way that we don't have to fall. Andy Miller's written a book called Contender, Going Deeper in the Book of Jude. Andy, uh, th I bet there's a number of ways that people could think about using this book. For instance, uh, let me buy one for the Sunday school class. So we got yeah, eight of yeah. us. Let's get eight of them. Let's march through the book. Is that going to be a, a reasonable thing to do with this volume? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to Amazon and get that. And then at the end of each chapter, I have discussion questions that you can use to walk through it. And then if you're really interested, I, uh, I've i done this enough times. I've walked through the Book of Jude. I did it at Day Spring Community Church as well. Um I have a video resource available. So if you go to my website, andymillerthe3rd.com, I have two courses there. One is um, on Jude and another is on heaven. And so it's just, these are just small group resources of me teaching through this book and has discussion questions, bonus content. I have some things on there. Actually, your son, Caleb's on there with me talking about Jude, actually the intertestamental period for people who want to go deeper. So all of those things are there, but check it out on the book. That's, that's one easy way to make this happen. Okay, great. Andy, listen, we're excited about the volume contender going deep or in the book of Jude. Holy, how do you mess up the word deeper? I mean, really going deeper in the book of Jude. It's, it's great guys. You need to get it. And uh, I'd go order up right now. Run. Uh, if you're at your computer, you probably don't have to run for your computer. If you're, uh, if you're going down the road, listening to this podcast, uh, I, I'd stop the car and order it. So it's, you can get it at amazon.com. Just punch in contender going deeper or the name Andy Miller, the third, and uh, you'll get it. Hey, Andy, thanks for the joy of this interview. Thank you, Matt. Thank you to Telios Press for publishing it. Yeah, well, it's exciting. So it's a wrap. Been an honor to have you listening to the Life Changing Discipleship Podcast with Matt Friedemann. Hey, check out our Facebook page. Uh, and we are excited again to have a lot of our books uh, from Telios at Amazon.com. If you just want to see my books, you can just type in Matt Friedemann. Take you right there. Always, always tell others about our podcast. And remember, my wife thanks you. My daughter thanks you. My sons and their wives thank you. And I can assure you that I thank you for listening to Life Changing Discipleship today. Love God. Live clean. Keep the faith. Make disciples. God bless you, dear friends. We'll see you back here real soon. Yeah.